Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. Hello and welcome to Mythmakers. Mythmakers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. My name is Julia Golding. I'm an author, but I also direct the centre. And in honour of Father's Day, I thought today we would do a podcast about the top fathers in fantasy, but not in any old fantasy. I'm talking about the fathers in Lord of the Rings. Now, I've set myself a little rule that the person that I mention has to be a father during the course of Lord of the Rings. So not somebody in the appendices or somebody in myths and legends that are mentioned in passing. I'm talking about the principal characters. So who are my contenders? Well, coming at the bottom of the list, I have a couple of three suggestions for the worst fathers. Um, two of which I think most of you will agree with, one of which is going to be highly contentious. So please do write in and tell me just how wrong I am. So I think the worst father in the sort of straightforward sense of biological father has to be Denethor. Count the ways. First of all, he clearly uh, has a favourite of one of his children. He prefers Boromir to Faramir, never a good parenting tip there. The other thing is he's highly demanding and so his children never feel that they've earned his love and they always feel they have to go beyond what they seem think is sensible to earn his approval, such as Faramir riding out in what was a kind of charge of the light brigade moment for the Gondor cavalry um, or taking on, that's in the film. In the book, it's much more about doing a a, a sort of military skirmish going to reinforce Osgiliath. Um, so he clearly is a disaster as a father. The other way in which he is bad is he tries to burn his son alive. <laughs> this is why I think it's quite safe to put him at the bottom of the the list. Um, he doesn't wait to see if his son recovers. He sees his son as an appendage of him. It's like um, it's mentioned as being a sort of like the old kings used to do. I'm thinking of of those kings who may have buried people alive with them, like pharaonic um, practices or where people would be sacrificed to go to death with somebody else. He has a that kind of um, sternness about him, ruthlessness, and he's gone basically mad and has forgotten that his 
the sons are separate from him. He does have a faint flicker, which it makes it even more appalling when he doesn't take that chance at uh, turning away from this when Gandalf challenges him. And then, of course, he he takes the, the wrong door at that point and Faramir is saved. So Denethor, worst father in Middle-earth during Lord of the Rings. Coming a close second to bottom of my list is Saruman. Now, we don't think of wizards being fathers. They seem to be in some ways kind of sexless creatures. Uh, they're kind of spirits almost. They're not They're not sort of mortal. Um, but the way I think of him as being a father is that he creates a race of Uruk-hai who are in some ways a kind of genetic experiment and he is their father. They talk about him as being their their sort of leader, their father. So he is responsible for them. And that's not good, is it? Breeding a, a race of superhuman orc soldiers where you've probably done some very questionable scientific practices of crossing certain um, races in your equivalent of the wizard laboratory. Not good. So Saruman doesn't get my vote here as a good father. The other thing, of course, is that he is quite re ready to sacrifice his orc children, his Urukai children, by sending them out and doesn't seem that fussed or never seems to question the value of their life. Uh, that there is a, you know, they're basically cannon fodder. So Saruman, terrible father. Now I said I had a controversial third pick. This is a bit tongue in cheek, but I've got a feeling Treebeard's not a great father. And he's a good shepherd of the trees. But he does seem to have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to families because he's forgotten the f where where the entwives ent are and he seems to be sort of a bit absent-minded about his entlings. Um, entings, sorry. So I don't think Treebeard makes a brilliant father. He, he shows a very kindly qualities to others, but one senses that maybe the way you are a father as an ent is very different from the human version of this. Uh, we, we don't see any details about that, but the fact that he's forgotten about where his uh, ent wife is suggests that all is not well in the, uh, the family of the ents. They're on a dying trajectory. So they're not great fathers, are they? Because they need their end wives in order to be fathers. There you go. So that's my rationale for putting them in the not so good father pile. Okay, so here we get to some of the those who make it the top of my list. So coming in in my top four is Gaffer Gamgee. I know, I know he's a bit of a windbag, but he... And, you know, he's a man of the earth and he he hasn't got very big horizons and he's always a bit conservative of a small c into what he thinks should happen. But there is something really um, admirable about his stubbornness. His, he was one of the ones who stood up to uh, Saruman when he takes over the Shire and uh, Saruman's, um, you know, all those people who are on Saruman's side, the men who come and help sort of scour the sh make the shire like mordor um so he's got real sterling qualities he's that curmudgeon that sort of uh person who won't change 
can't change, but is in some ways really admirable for it. And clearly he has passed on to Sam wonderful qualities of being a very good in the garden. He must have, Sam himself is such a well-principled um, hobbit that you feel that he must be getting that from uh, his parents. So I think aside from the kind of the stubborn side, I think Gaffer is a great father. And actually, if you remember, Frodo is also very appreciative of him, particularly his potatoes. So uh, his, I think he falls into the good father column. And now we get to the top top three. Well, I've got three contenders here. I haven't included Aragorn because even though in the Peter Jackson films, you briefly see him as a father in um, Arwen's future dream. And that, of course, is carried out in the appendices. In the books, he's not a father. So I'm excluding him. I'm sure he was a brilliant father. Um, he, he, I reckon he would have been the best if he was allowed in underneath my rules. But I've excluded him. So that leaves me with another three. Coming in at number three is Theoden. Now, obviously, um, Theodred is killed before we see, um, before we meet him. He's, he's, he's been killed in a skirmish at the Fords by orcs. And so we see Theoden when he's mourning his son, but also under the spell. But the reason why I think you can count him as a great dad is he has adopted his sister's son and sister's daughter, who of course are Ermir and Erwin, and they very much love him as a fa- as a son and daughter with their father, and they talk about him in that way um, a lot of the time. Clearly, he's had a ropey couple of years under the influence of Grima Wormtongue, but before and after that time, you can see that he is a man of action, a man who has um, ran his household well, and they clearly love him, and he has earned their loyalty. And he is brave and he is courageous. Those are all qualities which he has passed on to his um, adopted son and daughter. And also he's so tender in the way that he talks to Erwin and recognises her abilities. So though he's not in favour of her riding off to war, um, he does promote her to run the kingdom in his absence, which if you think about the relative roles of women uh, in Lord of the Rings is pretty much a promotion. So within his own sort of worldview, he is very progressive. So I think that Theoden, as someone who recognises talent and promotes it in his children, uh, is a good dad. Okay, so here's number three. And coming in at number two is Sam Gamgee. We only see him when he is this, you know, uh, he's got babies basically, but we do see him as a father and his greatness is shown by the fact that he goes home to them. He doesn't say, Oh, Frodo, let me on the ship. Um, I want to go to the undying lands. No, his, his torn, but his center of gravity and dedication is to the home. So he, the last line is I'm back, you know, so that is very important that he creates a home and nurtures the Gamgee family after all those adventures and puts aside 
the roving life that he could have carried on with for the home life. And we know in the appendices that he goes on to be uh, mayor numerous times and is clearly a, a person of importance in the Shire, raising a large, happy family. So in terms of an ordinary a man who's come through, oh man, a hobbit who's come through extraordinary times to end up as end up as able to be a good father in ordinary times. I think Sam is number two on my list. So who does that leave as number one? When you look down the list of the main characters in Lord of the Rings, there are quite a few of them who aren't fathers or we don't know our fathers. Um, one I've missed out, who is who we do meet, is Celeborn. I missed that out because his daughter is already um, has already passed away uh, by the time the story starts, so we don't really see him in a paternal role. Um, so who is number one? Number one is Elrond. Now, the funny thing about elves, amongst the many funny things about elves, of course, is how long they live. So once you are an elf parent, you are it for pretty much, you know, it's an eternity of being in that relationship, which must be incredibly difficult for both parent and child. At what point is somebody grown up? And though that's a fantasy frame around an issue, it is an issue for any parent. When do you consider your children are grown up? And when do you let them take, well, not that you can probably stop them, but when do you enable them, give your blessing to take decisions that you don't like. And this is where I think Elrond shows his greatness. Um, I'm not talking about him being a parent to his son. So clearly, you know, they're all close. There's nobody, nobody's gone off in a huff. So they're a good working, um, got a good working family relationship there. But it's with Arwen that we see the pain of letting go. And in his case, of course, it's a massive one of letting go forever. Because Arwen, by choosing to stay with Aragorn and taking a mortal life, is separating herself from the rest of the family. And he doesn't, her, her future is beyond the bounds of the world. So he doesn't know if they'd ever be reunited, probably not in terms of the, the sort of thinking of that world. And I think that this is his most fatherly quality is the fact that he lets go of her. And though it's obviously sad and bitter to have that parting, he doesn't stop her. He comes to the wedding. He gives her away. He enables her. And that is why he is my number one father in Middle Earth. Do let me know if you agree with my picks. Um, and if I've missed out anybody obvious, that would be terrible. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And well done, Elrond. And well done to all those fathers out there on your special day. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Mythmakers Podcast. Brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide. Hi, this is Julia Golding. 
Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace, starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.